going to be so good. Well, how did you have a nice Sunday? How good is the weather here on the Sunshine Coast? I would move tomorrow if I didn't have two teenage boys that were in love with their friends, you know, that they're all about their friends at 10. I thought, oh, I would move here tomorrow. Um, but yeah, it's so, so nice. I've had such a great time and we've seen so many healings and uh, people coming to Christ over the weekend. And I believe that tonight is going to be a night of awakening where eyes are open and literally I can see mindsets shifting and eyes opening, getting back to childlike faith, getting back to the simplicity of the gospel message, which is that we are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from us. We've done nothing to earn it. No one can boast about it. No one can say, well, you know what? I was good enough to receive salvation. In fact, we're all sinners. We're all fallen short of the glory of God. But God made a way where there was no way. Through one man, there was disobedience to all men. And then through the one man, Jesus Christ, salvation would come to the ends of the earth through one act of massive obedience on the cross where Jesus lay down his life. Nobody killed Jesus. He chose because he loves you. He saw you. He said that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And I believe that tonight you're going to have an injection of faith, an injection of courage, an injection of, you know, of just refreshed insight into how much God loves you. He adores you. He knows everything about you. You know, there's a story about the woman at the well in John 4. She is my favorite character in the whole Bible. In fact, when I get to heaven, I'm like, where's the woman at the well? She's the one I want to meet. You know, because she was such a powerful soul winner. Do you know she won more people to Jesus than most of the disciples? She got a whole town saved with the power of her testimony. And what I love about her is that, you know, I mean, she, she didn't know, and she knew God for about a, a millisecond and she ran into the town and told everybody, you've got to come, come, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. You see, Jesus knew that she'd had five husbands and that just blew her away. It blew her away because she's like, how do you know that about me? You must be a prophet. You must be, you know, maybe, maybe this is the, the, the one that they're talking about that's going to come. And, you know, Jesus said to her, you've had five husbands and the guy you're with right now, he's not your husband. And she's like, wow. You know, and she, she was a, a woman who her, her, her love tank was on empty. And she came to the well to get water. She came to the well to get her natural needs met. But there was Jesus, the Son of God, always wanting to give people eternal life. He said, if you only knew, if you only knew how much I loved you, if you only knew that I was the one that could give you living water, you'd ask me and I would give you living water. I'd give you eternal life. I wouldn't just give you a glass of water. I'd give you eternal life. That's about the difference between our way and God's way. You know, and so she did ask him and her eyes were, it says her eyes were opened and she saw who he really was and she ran into the town, you know. She was after getting her needs met with relationships, with, with men, you know. Let's say she had some relationship issues with five husbands and number six. She, she needed to meet man number seven, the man from heaven. That's who she needed to meet because he's the only one that can fulfill you, you know? And she was so encouraged that day. You know, the power of encouragement is so underestimated. 
the power of encouragement. That's something we can all do, isn't it? We can encourage someone else. We can put courage in someone else. Just the the woman in the white uh, hoodie. Yeah, stand to your feet. I just feel like God wants to encourage you, encourage you. You caught my eye. I turned around and the Lord said, encourage that woman. And I want to tell you that God's got it. Whatever you came in here tonight for, God's saying to you, yes and amen. I've got it. I'm in control of it. So just trust me. He's wanting you to get back to childlike faith and just believe. Praise God. I thank you for the breakthrough that's coming in your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Be encouraged. God pointed you out. You see, that's what he does. He highlights people just to encourage them. The power of encouragement is so underestimated. You know, I saw the power of encouragement at play. There's pardon the pun, but no, it's actually intended that in the Australian Open, I saw it, the, the power of encouragement last year in the semi-final of the Australian Open. Federer was playing Warinka and Federer was going down four sets. He was losing badly. And you could see the discouragement had set in. You know when you're in a tennis match, you can actually see who's winning because of the me- it's a mental battle. Sometimes it's physical, but a lot of times it's our mindset. And you can see if someone's winning, can't you, on the court. It flips and switches between, between sides. And, you know, literally a tennis match can turn on a coin, can't it? It just... He's winning. Now he's winning. Now he's winning. Now he's winning. You know, it's like that. And we'll ring, and uh, Federer was going down four sets. And uh, he, he said in the first time in his whole history of his career, he decided to take injury time. He went off court and he took injury time. And in that injury time, I don't know what they injected him with, but they injected him with something really good because he came back, he came back on the court, but it wasn't the injection. Well, it was the injection, but what really was the power in this moment was the massive cheer that was sent out across, uh, right around the stadium. I watched, there was, it was like a holy moment for me. It was a prophetic, holy moment where God spoke to me. And there was this massive cheer sent out around the whole stadium, but this cheer was different. This cheer was loaded with love. This cheer was loaded with encouragement. This loaded, this, this, it was silent yet loud. I mean, it was, it was literally filled with words like, Federer, we love you. Federer, you're a champion. Federer, you can turn this around. Federer, we believe in you. And I literally saw this whole stadium literally raise to their feet and cheer him back on the court. And I believe that's a prophetic message for the church right now. God is saying, get back on the court. Get out of injury time and get out back on the court. We are on center court. We are not the spectators. And this verse came to me, Hebrews 12 verse 1. It literally, the scripture took hold of my heart and, and the Lord said, tell the church this, that since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that entangles. I don't even, you know, you can read the scripture. Maybe I should. I said to Teresa, maybe I should read the Bible sometimes, right? Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Every single person has a race. We have our own race to run. We have a race to run as a church. But what's happened is that the church has been stuck in injury time and we need, and God is calling us back on the cord because Jesus is coming back. He's coming back for the second time 
time. And do you can believe that everything that was prophesied about Jesus coming for the first time was yes and amen and it has been fulfilled. Every word about Jesus coming back the second time will be fulfilled. And he's coming back for his bride. He's coming back for his church. And we need, we need to not be injured anymore. You know, maybe, you know, we do have injuries. We have disappointments. We have discouragements. We have setbacks. We have opposition. Yes, we do. But it doesn't matter what the devil throws at you. Jesus is the victor. He's the victor. He's already won. Game, set, and match. Boom. Boom, boom, shake the room. <laughs> Jesus is already won the battle. So that was for the camera. I'm such a show off. <laughs> he liked that one. But hey, hey. So um, yeah, it's so it's so amazing just what the power of encouragement can do in someone's life, isn't it? This is what Jesus was doing at the woman at the. You know, I mean, I remember a time in my life I was so discouraged, so set back, and uh, what I can't believe what God has done in my life. I mean, I am a testimony to the power of God. You know, I wasn't sort of given the best start in life because my mum had a massive cerebral hemorrhage when I was just five years old and I remember going into the hospital and seeing my mum's head all shaved and she had bandage around her head and she was changed on the inside and I realized at at just a very young age me and my sister we realized that we were kind of on our own and that we would have to decide to be each other's family we were the family and um, my dad didn't cope very well with my mum um, and they, could, they both had massive drinking problems. They were both alcoholics. I learnt to you know, pour a gin and tonic at the age of five. Um, and my mum was on really serious heavy drugs, Valium and Dilantin. She'd take pills. She'd drink them with a bottle of gin every night. Basically, I don't even know if she remembered I was there. I'm not sure. But me and my sister just looked after each other. We're still really close today. In fact, she's looking after my teenage sons. When I travel, she steps in and she just bees me. She's awesome. But, you know, we had these very challenging parents and they would fight and scream. There was a lot of abuse in our, in our family home and that's what I grew up in. That was the blueprint of family life that I was shown. And, um, you know, I just decided that we would have to find some hiding places when the abuse... Would, you know, it was actually my mum that beat my dad up out of just pure pain. And um, because when she was trying to recover from the operation, he told her he was having an affair. And it just broke her heart. And she always loved my dad, but she could never have my dad. And, you know, so they had this really dysfunctional marriage. Um, Me and my sister, when fights broke out, we would just go under the stairs. We would hide. We found all these hiding places. But my favourite hiding place was the swimming pool. And uh, do you know how quiet it is underwater? You know, I would go there and spend hours and hours under the water when fights were breaking out. I would just go to the pool. It was my refuge. It was my safe place. I'd be able to go there and just imagine and dream a different kind of life. And uh, after a few, you know, a couple of years, I taught myself how to spin off the side of the pool, do a forward somersault. I was most pleased with that. We could do one here. No. (laughs) 
hold it back, Nick. No. Um, you know, I taught myself how to do tricks, backward flips and stuff like that. And my dad saw me and he decided to sign me up for diving lessons. He rang the best coach in Australia. We had money in our house. My, my dad was a businessman, you know, he had a lot of money, but we just didn't have much love in our house. And um, so he signed me up for diving lessons and that was became my, me and my dad's kind of connection spot. Went to diving the first time. Oh, this was awesome because on the side of the pool, I could do one somersault. Now I had leverage, leverage. I could do, you know, more twists, more spins. I was really flexible. And you'd say that I was like a natural diver, Um, very flexible and little, and I could get around quickly. And so I just fell in love with this sport. Just so awesome this sport is. And uh, started winning state championships and Australian championships. And at just the age 11, can you imagine how short I was at 11? At just at age 11, I got to represent Australia in the World Diving Championships in Houston, Texas. I know, right? Thank you. And um, it was a great privilege. I got to carry the flag out the front of the Australian team because I was the shortest. And uh, 1977, you can do the maths, right? 1977, out the front with the Australian flag. What a privilege, amazing, to represent our country. Did quite well, came seventh in the world, uh, up against much older girls. And I was just on this great track, you know, I had this dream. This dream had my heart. I was convinced that I was going to go to the Olympics and win a medal. I, wouldn't, I wasn't going for gold, just a medal would have done um, for Australia. And, but on my 14th birthday, everything would change. Everything would turn on a coin. And uh, I, I, had to do, I was at a national competition in uh, Burnie, Tasmania. And you, and you can't believe this, but there's someone in here who knows where Burnie is, right? <laughs> you were born in Burnie. What's your name again? Caitlin. Chantel, I'm so bad. Chantel was born in Burnie. Isn't that weird? It's so crazy. Once I was... Once I was sharing my story about diving and um, this really old man came up to me at the end of the service and he, and he pressed an envelope in my hand um, and he said, I was a judge, a diving judge, when you were diving and you went to Texas with my daughter, Christine. I'm like, you're kidding me? Oh, my God. And anyway, in the envelope was $1,000. Praise God. <laughs> right? But I just shared that because we're all connected, right? So, um, so anyway, uh, I, was, I was at this national competition. It was on my 14th birthday, 7th of February. If you want to send gifts, you can put that in your diary right now. 7th of February, I was 14 years old, and for the first time in my life, I let discouragement, I let disappointment wound me, get into my heart, because my dad just didn't show up for that competition. And I thought, how can he not show up for this very important competition in the scheme of things where I was at in the selection process at the time? I'm like, how can he let me down right now? And I remember just 14 years old climbing up the 10 metre tower and I let, I, I made up my own story in my mind. And the truth of the matter is that dad actually did come. He was just late. But in my mind, I thought he didn't show and he was rejecting me. 
And so I climbed up the tent. See, perceived disappointment is as powerful or even more powerful than real disappointment because it's your own story. You know, and we make stories up all the time, don't we, about certain things and we can get stuck in not even the truth. And so anyway, I climbed up the tower and I've, I've done a thousand back dives before. It wasn't even a challenging dive. It was just a normal back dive off the 10 metre tower. But I was wounded. And instead of like diving off, invincible, full of faith, full of courage. See, with diving, you have to see the dive first and then your body follows. You visualize it and then you do it. And that's what happens. You train your body to follow your mind's eye. God was teaching me about faith all the way back then, right? So I, so I lost vision and I took off anyway. And I knew it wasn't going to end well. And it did not end well. Instead of bringing the dive straight through the water like a pencil, I overextended my spine on entry and just went whoosh like that right over and ripped all my neck, spine and hips out of joint. And I was unconscious in the water, just smack. It's like hitting concrete from, from that height. And uh, I remember as I, I came through to consciousness, I had people all around me. It was all a bit hazy. I couldn't feel my legs. I was absolutely, totally numb. And I remember just this, this picture of, of me in a wheelchair, like I'm going to be in a wheelchair. I'm thinking I'm crippled. I can't feel my legs. I, because I'd seen this television program of this girl on a horse and she'd come off the horse and then the next thing was that she was in a wheelchair and she was crippled. So that was the first thing I could think of. It was like how, you know, because I was just 14 years old. I was just like, oh my God, I'm going to be crippled. I'm going to be crippled. But I wasn't, I wasn't in a wheelchair, thank God. And I'd seen my mum in a wheelchair. And so, I, you know, vision, vision, so powerful, so powerful. And, and so the good news was I wasn't in a wheelchair, but I'll tell you what, I was twisted, I was bent, my right leg was shorter than my left leg because this hip was twisted around, my neck, I couldn't move my neck freely, I was just in chronic, chronic pain. And as a result of that, like, the, the physical pain was bad. Oh, my dear, though, the broken heart I had to give up my dream. It was like, you know, I watched my dream just sink to the bottom of the pool. Like, boof, it's never going to happen. I tried to rehabilitate. I tried to get back on the boards, but I was crooked. And I couldn't, you know, I, it's done on precision diving. And I just couldn't bring in the dives. I started getting third place, fourth place, fifth place. <laughs> my ego was getting shattered. And in the end, I just said, you know what, this is not going to work. I went to my coach and I surrendered my dream. I thought, if I can't dive, I don't do anything. I went on this crazy rampage of destroying my life. After that, I was angry, felt ripped off, disappointed, couldn't make sense of the world. Didn't even, I, I wasn't in a privileged position for any Christians to be around my life. Nobody told me there was any hope. Certainly not my parents had any kind of faith. And uh, so I got expelled from the best school in Sydney. Sorry, Dad. Um, and I went to a new school, and at that new school, I gravitated towards all the other hurt, broken, disappointed, discouraged teenagers, and they introduced me into a whole lot of drugs. And uh, I know that's very hard for you to believe because I look like a complete angel, but just digest that for a minute. I'll give you time. It's, it was, it was, it was a crazy, a crazy road I started down on now because the drugs were actually numbing the pain. 
They were numbing the pain physically and they were numbing, blocking the pain in my heart of hearts, which was that my parents had, they got divorced. I had, you know, I just was lost, a little lost 15 year old, just nowhere to turn. And um, I went on this crazy journey for 50, the next 15 years, crazy, just smoking pot every day, doing a lot harder drugs. And uh, because I'm a bit of an entrepreneur, you know, I started a little business behind the tennis court. Funny, it was a tennis court. There you go. It ties in with the Federer story. Um, <coughs> selling drugs behind the... F- right, good connection, Josh. So selling drugs behind the tennis court at lunchtime and just taking a whole lot of people down the wrong road. Because you know you're an influencer. All of you are, you are influencing everyone around you. So I just influenced people down the wrong road for a long time until somebody saw my pain. There was one Christian girl and uh, she was actually, she was a pastor's kid. And uh, she, but she was, she was in and out of church. And when she was out of church, she was smoking pot with me. So she never told me about Jesus because she probably thought she might have been a bit of a hypocrite if she told me when she was off her face about Jesus. So she kept that to herself. She had him tucked in the boot of the car, you know, and she'd just bring him out when she needs him, I suppose. But anyway, she saw my pain. Praise God. God can use anyone to bring you to God, right? So she saw my pain. She started praying for me and she said this to me. She said, because she knew I was a party girl. She said, Nick, I I've got a ticket to the best party in the whole universe and you should get one. I'm like, what's she talking about? What's she talking about, Willis? What's she talking about? What's she talking I knew she was talking about heaven or something spiritual. I wasn't quite sure, but there was something spiritual about her. She had this like mystery about her. I'm like, what? I know she's talking about something big, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And so then she said this to me. She said, now I'm going to New York City because she's a singer. I'm going to New York City, but before I leave, I want, I'm, going to, I'm going to tell you what to do. You just say every, every single morning you wake up, just say these, just say, I believe, I believe, I believe. Say it three times every morning. I go, all right, I'll do that. So I wake up every morning, I believe, I believe, I believe. I was very obedient. And uh, then I get really stoned and go for a run on the beach. And I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. I didn't know how the clue what I believed in. But I just believed. And uh, anyway, after a while, I started to seek the truth. I'm like, well, what is the truth? You know, just if you think about the word truth, it has to be the truth. The truth, the truth has to exist, even for the word to exist. So what is the truth? And so I started this search and, you know, I was hugging trees a few times and doing crazy things, but I just had this compel- like this urgency to to go to New York City, hunt that girl down and find out how I'll get my ticket. I bought a one-way ticket to New York City to go and find out how I'll get my ticket to the best party in the universe. And she picked me up from the airport. She brought me to a church just like this, a C3 church on Long Island in New York City. She brings me to the front row, sits me in the front row. She's told the whole church that I'm coming. We used to write letters back in those days, put stamps on them, young people. I know it's crazy, crazy. You have to use your own spit like that. Put the stick. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And they used to, ta- used to take 10 days 
10 days to get some correspondence from Australia to New York. What? Oh, crazy. I mean, anyway, that's what we did. I told her I was coming and she got the whole church praying for me. So when I arrived at this C3 church in New York City, everyone knew who I was. She said, this crazy, drug-addicted, crazy girl's coming into our midst and she's going to get powerfully saved. And then I walked in and they sent me in front of the first time in my life at 29 years old, I heard the good news that all my sins could be washed away that I could be given a brand new slate if I just believed. Hang on a sec. If I what? If I just believed. So what the preacher was saying to me was that this salvation, this great gift of eternal life that Jesus was offering me came by faith. I had to just believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and I could be saved. Well, the news was too good to be true. I was like, really? See, I was just, I thought I had to be a good person. I thought, I, you know, you holy Christians, whatever. But I just couldn't believe that that was for me. And so, so, so that I was struggling that day and I heard, this is what really got me when he said, every sin wiped clean. Like God won't remember them. What? I had so much sin when I came to the Lord. I was drug addicted so badly. You know, the thing about sin is that it kind of looks attractive at the start, but it gets around you. It, it entangles you. You know, this verse of Scripture, throw off everything that entangles you. And this drug taking had entangled me. I was dependent now on being stoned. You know, and this, it wasn't, I was not living my life, my life was not working. I was making some really bad decisions. I was the woman at the well. I was getting heartbroken over and over again by making such poor choices, and, and especially, you know, with relationships. And I came to Jesus that day so hurt, so broken, so confused. And in a millisecond, in a turning of a coin like that, from darkness to light, it can happen that quick. It can happen that miraculously. But when you turn from darkness and turn to light, you come out of the kingdom of dark into the kingdom of light. There's a spiritual transaction that happens. It's the turning of a coin. You turn from discouragement to courage. You turn from fear to faith. You turn from sickness to health. You turn, you turn from death to life and life abundant. And it can happen just like that, just like in a tennis match, can change the power or what side of the court are you on? Amen. In a millisecond, I knew that the I, in one, one second before, I, I didn't know God. I turn and now I can feel God. I can feel him all over me because his son, Jesus Christ, made a way tore the veil and anyone and everyone who believes can be saved. That's the good news. It's for everyone. And so I raised my hand that day. It took a little bit of courage, you know. It was a struggle. I remember it was a struggle. The preacher was like, just raise your hand. And we pray his prayer. I was like, oh, struggle. Oh, what was going through my head? If I raise my hand, they'll know I'm not a Christian in here. And, you know, like the short skirt did not give it away, you know. And I was like, okay, I was struggling. I was kind of like, well, if I... You know, my, I was like, my way is not working, so you know what? I may as well, I may as well see. I may as well, I may as well give it a little look. And I, I go like this. I go, and I go to just gently raise my Thank you, I saw that hand. I was like, no, no, no. I was still thinking about it. 
And I was over the falls. In that moment, I knew I was accountable. And I was just like, oh no, the preacher saw me. And uh, I thought I'd never been to a church before. I thought I had to go out the front. All I knew was confession. So I go out the front. They call me out the front. I'm bawling my eyes out. And I start confessing all my sins to the congregation. I'm like, I'm sorry I took those drugs. I'm sorry I slept. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so-. And he's like, just turn around, turn, turn. Okay, you don't have to tell them. Just turn around to me. It's all right. God knows. I said, thank God, because we could have been there a long time, right? Could have been there a long, all night we could have been there. So anyway, I said this salvation prayer where I just let Jesus in. It's just a surrender. It's hard, but it's easy. It's the turning of a coin. It can take you out of darkness and into light. It's supernatural. It's the first miracle. And then after that, like, it was so amazing. I knew that God knew everything about me in that moment. I really did feel like the woman at the well. Like, he knew everything. He'd seen everything and still loved me. He died for me when I was at my absolute worst. And you. He died for everyone when they were at their worst, when they didn't have it together, when they were, when they were caught up in sin. That's the power of the resurrection. It breaks chains. It breaks addictions. Every addiction in my life was broken off in that salvation moment. I never ever wanted to take another drug since. I didn't even have to try because it's resurrection power, not my own strength, his strength. That's the strength he's offering to you tonight. You know, what happened was I was staying with a friend and I picked up this little tiny book and it said healing. I thought, oh my goodness, do I need healing? I need healing. So I picked up this little book on healing and I wished I'd written down the author's name because boy, wouldn't I love to thank her today. But there was a picture of a woman in this little book and she was sitting in a chair with her two legs out the front. It said that one leg was shorter than the other leg. I'm like, that's me. That's me. And uh, it said this, a simple prayer. Pray in the name of Jesus. I am healed in the name of Jesus. Just pray that. I was like, that's so simple. Just I had childlike faith. I was so excited. Just this faith got in my heart. I ran. I got this book. I ran to my pastors. I'm like, you got to pray for me. I'm going to get healed. It's written in the book. It's in the book. Look, she's in the chair. I'm going to get in the chair, and then you're going to do it to me. Do it to me. Just do what they're doing here to her. Do that to me. I said, but this is the important part. This is me. I've known God for, God for three months. Now I'm telling the pastors how to pray. I'm saying, now, pastors, don't, don't forget. Don't, this is the most important part. Don't forget to say the name of Jesus. Gee, got to say that bit. Say that bit. The name of Jesus. That's how I'm going to get healed. They go, thanks for the tip, Nick. That's, that's good. That's really good. Thanks. We'll remember that in our prayer. So I sit in the chair and they prayed. They said, just from the top of her head to the bottom of Nick's feet, just heal her, Jesus. And I felt Jesus walk into the room like a chiropractor right behind me. I felt this amazing presence, like when you run your hand underwater, there's that resistance. The whole room was filled with the thickness of his presence. And I had this, just this sense of his holiness and this sense of his love and how much he knew me. And then for the next two and a half hours, 
He completely reconstructed my spine, my neck, my hips came back into place. It was gentle, but it was powerful. It was supernatural. I was in the middle of the miracle and I just needed to stay in it. For two two hours, there was wave after wave of his presence, like laughing gas would come upon me. In fact, the the laughing gas came onto the other pastors as well and they fell over on the floor. I'm like, that is not in the book. You're supposed to be praying for me. Get up. And they could not get up. They were under the power of God. Pastor Bernie Kelsey and Pastor Pam Borrow. There you go. That's who the pastors were who prayed for me. That smashed. I'm in the chair. I'm getting completely healed. I'm giving them a running commentary as to what's happening. Oh, he's at the base of my spine now. I could feel the thumbs of Jesus go up every vertebrae and straighten up every bone. I mean, God was moving my bones. If he can move my bones, he can move your situation. If he, if he can heal, you know, I mean, I know it's amazing. I was completely healed that day, praising God. I'll tell you what, I slept flat on my back for the first time in 15 years. And I was just looking at the ceiling going, praise Jesus. I said, praise Jesus for two weeks solid. It's the only thing that could come out of my mouth. Oh, God, just had to tell everybody, right? I know, I know. Why do some people get healed and other people don't? I don't know, but just believe. Like I'd done my homework, you know. What I want to do is shift you back into a mindset to childlike faith. Just believe, just believe, just believe, just believe, just believe. But I've been believing for a long time. Well, just believe some more. But you don't understand. I've been believing for this miracle for so long and it just hasn't happened. Well, just don't stop believing. Believe until, until you see a breakthrough because Christians, Jesus Christ is coming back for a victorious church, not, a, not one who's still in injury time. He's coming back for people that have actually got the word of God and applied it to their life and seen a victory. And you just do that until, until, until. Just believe, just believe, just believe. It's just a shift, you know. That the, the amazing thing about God is that, back to a tennis pun, the ball's in your court. He never forces himself on you. The ball's always in your court, you know, and you're always going to have opposition. But I believe here tonight that you can serve up the enemy a smash, a volley, by choosing to ask Jesus to come into your life. And so right now I'm going to send out an invitation like no other, an invitation that invites Jesus to come into your life for real, for sure, for good, and he he is not going anywhere. I'm talking about the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of heaven and earth, walking into your life and taking up residence and bringing victory to every part of your life. And right now I'm going to offer out an invitation for anyone and for everyone who would come to the Father. His arms are open wide. He made a way through his son. Do you know there was only one man who could have paid the price of salvation and it's Jesus Christ because he's the only man who lived a perfect holy life and never sinned there's only ever been one sacrifice there will only ever be one and his name is Jesus his name is all powerful all glory goes to him we praise him for it but right now he's inviting you to come come and see a man 
who told me everything I ever did. And so right now, right across this room, I just want you to have a moment with God yourself and ask yourself this question. Am I right with God? Am I in right standing with God? God can bring the righteousness. Righteousness means right standing with God. God can make you righteous. Isn't that amazing? Through faith in Jesus Christ. So right across this room, again, I want to pray for three lots of people here tonight. The first lot of people is people you've never said an intentional prayer that says, Jesus, come into my life. Made it an intentional, okay, this is my surrender point. I'm going to let God come into my life. If that's you in a minute, I'm going to ask you to be bold. I'm going to ask you to just to, to raise your hand like, like I did, you know, a little bit higher than I did, thanks, because, you know, I might not see that. But just raise it up nice and high, be bold and say, you know what, that's me. I'm going to make sure I get God in my life tonight. I need a miracle. I need a breakthrough. I need my life to turn around. I need to come out of darkness. I need to get into the light. I need to be out of discouragement into encouragement. If that's you, in a minute, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Also, if you used to follow God, but you're away from God, you haven't come to church for a while, but you find yourself here tonight, but you know you need to come back tonight, come back, make a comeback, like have a Federer moment. You know, make a comeback and win the match. And to do that, you just have to say yes to God tonight. You just, just simply raise your hand and go, you know what, I'm saying yes to God. Or maybe you're here tonight and you're just not convinced about your salvation. You're a Christian, but you're struggling, struggling with, struggling with fear or struggling with condemnation. And you're just like, I'm not sure. If you were to say, am I saved? You're not sure. You'd say, you know what, I don't know. Well, if you don't know, you're probably not. So get, get right with God before you leave here tonight. This is a prayer I'm offering right now. So with every head bowed and every eye closed right across this room, right across I just believe the Holy Spirit is he's just saying come come to me all you who are weary and broken hearted and I will give you rest and so right now I'm just going to ask you to shoot up your hand ready one two three go shoot it up shoot it up who is there tonight you've never asked Jesus thank you you've never asked Jesus to come into your life you need to come back tonight or you need to get sure sure about your salvation just raise it up raise it up nice and high so I can see it don't even worry about the person next to you this is about you and God just raise it up raise it up there's other people I know I'm waiting for you Holy Spirit come break it open God Holy Spirit, come. Who else is there? Just raise it up. We're going to pray a prayer of salvation. It's so easy. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to pull you out front and not do anything like that. I'm just asking you to receive this good news. Who else is there? Just raise it up. Every sin forgiven. Raise it up. Raise it up nice and high. I'm waiting for you. I can feel such a struggle in this place. This is the enemy just pushing you back saying, don't raise your hand, but just raise it up and serve a volley. Raise it up. Who else is there? Just raise it up now, nice and high. Nice and high so I can see. And we're going to pray a simple prayer of salvation. Holy Spirit, come. There's, so, there's other people here I can feel in my heart. It's just a simple surrender. Who is there? Just raise it up. Say, yeah, you know what? That's me. Oh, that's awesome. We're going to pray this prayer together. You can put your hand down, young man. I can see you. Thank you. Anyone else just, you know what? Even if you're praying this prayer, 
and you should have put your hand up but you didn't because you're embarrassed, just come and tell one of the pastors or tell myself at the end of the service, tell Pastor Josh, I, you know, I made that decision in my heart, I just didn't put my hand up. But just tell someone because there's power in that. So let's pray this prayer. Say, Dear Jesus, I receive the free gift of salvation. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died for me. I believe that today I am born again, forgiven of all my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, that's awesome. Why don't we let out a massive cheer like the stadium? Right? So good. Uh, Thank you so much for having me this weekend. You raised your hand. Someone's going to get to you and pray with you for sure. If other people need prayer, we're going to open up the altar. Maybe, you know, you're stuck in pain here tonight. Uh, Come down the front. We've got a team of pastors. We're going to pray. We're believing for miracles for you today. Believing, believing for healing. Don't leave this place without a touch of God. But I just wanted to thank you and salute you. C3 Church, Kiwana Waters, I love you. Thank you for your hospitality. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute delight. I love you to bits and we'll see you soon. Amen. (laughs) 